Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Curtis, and I'm so excited to be with you. Come join me. We are sitting in our co-op English class, and one of our students is reading the introduction to her murder mystery, and we are all mesmerized by what happens because, oh my goodness, Right immediately, we are plunged into this. All right, well, I'm not going to tell you about the story, but let me just tell you that we were all at the edge of our seats. I don't want to give her story away. It's her story. But we were all at the edge of our seats, so excited listening to this story. And after she finished, the next person read, And we were laughing, we were joking, we were giving helpful tips to each other. It was just such a fun time. And this was our co-op class. Yes, it truly was. But don't you think we maybe had too much fun for an English class, even if we are homeschoolers? Well, I don't think so. I think that... English co-op classes can be super fun, especially for high schoolers. And I know my most popular book is Who Done It? Murder Mystery Literature and Writing Course. It's a one-credit high school course. And over the years, I've had different people ask me, can I use this class in a homeschool co-op setting, and I say, yes, I've used this class several times, in fact, in a homeschool co-op setting, each time with so much success, and the kids have had such a good time. So what I want to do is I want to take you through the process of how to use whodunit, murder mystery literature and writing course in your homeschool co-op. Now, the way the course is written is it can actually be used from 8th graders to high school. And I'm going to talk about how to do that, how to teach different grade levels. But if you're teaching the class, you can teach it at any of those grade levels. You can also teach it to advanced 7th graders. So pretend that you are in a homeschool co-op and everybody teaches something and all of a sudden you kind of get that pressure. Hey, why don't you teach high school English, and you're thinking, high school English? No, (laughs) I don't want to teach high school English. And as you pray about it, you feel like maybe the Lord wants you and your husband's supportive, and you think, oh my goodness, what on earth am I going to teach? So I have a really fun solution for you, and especially if you are a mystery lover. And I'm guessing that If you're listening to this, you probably are a cozy mystery lover or a detective show lover or something caught your eye about whodunit. What we do in whodunit is we spend an entire year reading and writing cozy mysteries. And we go back to the golden age of mysteries. We start with like Agatha Christie, Dorothy Sayers, G.K. Chesterton. We read some Sherlock Holmes. So we go back in time to 
some really good literature. I mean, sometimes people say, oh, well, that's just a murder mystery. But no, this is really good literature. If you realize, like, G.K. Chesterton, Agatha Christie, and Dorothy Sears were all classically educated, you'll be reading (laughs) their books, and all of a sudden there's a quote from Latin, there's quotes from Shakespeare. So it is definitely good literature, but oh my goodness, is it so fun to read. So why do we do that? In my high school years, I do different English classes, and one year we take an entire year to write a novel. And the whole purpose of the books we read were examining them to see how the author actually told her story. What things did she do? How did she make her characters come alive? How did she make her plot exciting? How did she create her settings? And so, or his. (laughs) And so we do that for an entire year. And then my teens would write their own novel. I had five children. When my third one came along, she loved mysteries like me. And I said, hey, would you want to write a murder mystery instead of just a novel? And she said, yeah, that would be a great idea. So that's how it started. It started with just that idea of, oh, wouldn't it be fun? We love murder mysteries. But as time went on, I found that there's so many people out there who are cozy mystery fans. And the idea of spending a year reading cozy mysteries and writing a cozy mystery was really, really exciting. But for some moms, it felt a little intimidating. So let me just start with this to tell you. The way the class is laid out, it's very, very easy to teach. It goes into explanations. You can just read stuff aloud (laughs) and then go back and read it aloud again. That's in the book because it's very simple to teach. Everything is laid out for you in there. And the books that you read and also TV shows, you're encouraged to watch mystery TV shows. And I'll explain why in a little bit. But all of that is laid out to help you. And and when you're in a co-op setting, it's super easy because everybody reads their stuff out loud and you help each other. So anyway, I'm going to get into all of that and how it's laid out. But first of all, I want to talk about the benefits. I just thought, oh, this would be super fun to write a cozy mystery because I love to read cozy mysteries. I did not know how many educational benefits would come out of that. First of all, just writing a novel, when you write your own literature, you learn so much about literature. And that was an unexpected benefit to me because my idea was just I wanted my children to have the, everyone says, oh, there's a book inside me. There's a story inside me. Well, I wanted my children to have that adventure of creating a story when they were young and to know they could do it like that would be such a confidence booster. But also, if you write any kind of writings, you need to include stories, illustrations. If you're a preacher, you have to include illustrations in your sermons. If you're a mom, you tell your children stories. If you're a dad, you tell them stories. So storytelling is a great art, and it's a great thing to pass on to our children. So that's number one. The thing with a, a cozy mystery or a detective who done it is that you have to use the role of logic because you're cre- you're misdirecting your reader so you're laying out through the whole book clues and red herrings clues red herrings clues red herrings and you're trying to misdirect your reader 
away from the true murderer. But then at the end, you want your reader to go, oh, why didn't I see that? Of course, that's the one who did it. So that's why it's so important how you lay out your clues and your red herrings. And we spend a lot of time with that, like talking about clues and red herrings, because they're really significant. But when you're laying out a cozy mystery, you not only have the actual clues and red herrings, which often are action or maybe like something that someone says, but when you stand back from the book, everything has to make logical sense. Now, that's true of a novel, too. Everything has to make logical sense and and fit together. But in a mystery, it's so much more pronounced and so much more important. And at the end, your murderer has to have a really good reason why he killed that person. Now, before I go on, I'm going to be talking about murder mysteries. So, of course, I'm going to talk about murder and stuff. But I've actually had children take my class who they don't want to write a murder. So they would rather write like a kidnapping or a theft. And that's fine. And I let people do that if they want to do that. And they've, and they've written some really good stories. So I've been so excited over the years to see the books that are produced by this class, the the novels that the kids produce. It's really, really fun. So anyway, back to the benefits of writing a cozy mystery. So it really plays into your logic because not only do you have to create the character who actually did do it and has a motive for doing it, you have to give motive to other people. So there has to be a lot of reasons that this person needs to be or is desired to be murdered. So that all takes a lot of logic, a lot of thought, a lot of making sure everything fits together. But the process of misdirecting the reader is, wow, that that is a lot of skill. And so when the kids are finished with this class, they have really grown as a writer and also as a thinker, as a logical thinker. The other thing is that in in the benefit of writing a whodunit in a group setting is that you're able to do a lot of peer review. You're able to do a lot of reading out loud. And as you read out loud, you're able to help each other craft. And I found over the years that reading something out loud is the very best way to edit something. It is so hard to edit your own work. And it's so hard to craft your own work because you can just fall in love with passages and stuff like that. But when you read out loud, especially if you're reading out loud to an audience, if I just picked up my book and started reading out loud to you, I would go, oh, goodness, I made a mistake here. Take my pen, quickly mark it to fix later. So reading out loud is not only good for crafting, it's actually good for finding grammar mistakes and stuff like that. So those are kind of the benefits of writing a whodunit. We just have really been blessed by writing a whodunit. And so I'd highly, highly recommend writing a novel for one year of high school. So let me explain. So you decide, yes, I like that idea. I'd like to write a cozy mystery. And you telling me that I can just get this book, a copy of this book. You can pick up print copies from Amazon. They're not much more than the ebook, maybe like $5 more. So it's just definitely cheaper to get the print copies from Amazon, but you can also buy the ebook. And if you're teaching a class and you want to talk to me about like a special, special permission to 
maybe print up some copies for a whole classroom instead of just your family, you can talk to me about that. I'll try to give you a special price on that. But so let's talk about the whole year of what you're teaching. I want to give you an overview of the entire year. So the first semester or the first half, we do a lot of reading and watching and analyzing. So we read a couple books by Agatha Christie. We even read some children's mysteries. We read something by G.K. Chesterton, by Dorothy Sayers, a Lord Peter mystery, and uh, Sherlock Holmes. We're just watching how the author creates character. We're watching how the author spins a plot. We're watching how the author uses settings to his or her advantage. And so we're analyzing. Now, one of the things we do is we also watch movies. And that is super, super important because when you write a cozy mystery, you almost write it like a screenplay. You're writing it scene by scene by scene. And so if you watch some detective shows, and it's better, honestly, to go back and watch a detective show that you already know the ending to, because watch it twice. Like you watch it once, maybe, and then go back and watch it again, and watch scene by scene what happens to bring you to that place. And again, I'll talk more about that as we get closer. But so the first half of the first year, we're reading, watching, and analyzing. And then we start creating characters, settings, scenes, clues. So one week, the kids might come up with a detective. And the detective, what are the strengths of the detective? What are the quirks of the detective? Who... Who are the people in the detective's life? Does he have an assistant? Does he have a pet? Does he have a family? So all those things come into play as we're creating our detective. And then we create clues and red herrings. And those are really fun. And one of the things I do near the end of the class, and this isn't in the book, but you can write a note to do this. I have someone read someone else's book. And they circle all the clues as they go. And then they go back and say which were clues and which were red herrings. Because the clues and red herrings really make a detective novel good. That's something that people aren't used to, especially if they haven't read a lot of murder mysteries. Now, I do have kids who take my class who say, I don't really like murder mysteries. I've never read them. And by the end of the year of reading those books, (laughs) they become a murder mystery fan. So it's kind of funny. So that's what we work on the beginning. We'll write descriptive paragraphs describing our detective. And we read all of these things to each other. I just taught Who Done It last year in a co-op. And we had so much fun, like, okay, describe your detective. And they talk about their detective. And we also talk about something that is super important when it comes to writing a novel. And that's using quotation marks. Even though our kids, I know my kids have had grammar every year, but for some reason, quotation marks is a really big thing. So I like to spend some time on that at the beginning and just make sure they know how to use quotation marks. And so then they write a short story. So after we're working on all that stuff, they write a short story and I give them really clear guidelines of what should happen. And then when I grade their short story, I grade it by the guidelines that I give them. So I include those sheets for you to make it really easy for you to grade papers. And they also grade each other's. They look for those things in each other's paper. 
because I love peer review. I'll tell you why, and I'm going to talk about this later too, but what happens when you're writing for your peers, when you're writing for the other kids in your classroom, it becomes really fun. You know them, and so you know, oh, they would enjoy hearing about this, or they would enjoy hearing about this. Well, that's what makes a good writer. A good writer writes to an audience. And so by doing a lot of reading out loud, and then when we read each other's um, novels and short story, we are actually teaching the kids this is how to write for an audience because we become the audience for each other. And so it's really training our kids to be writers in the real world because so often when we teach writing, we just say, okay, yeah, write this paper and hand it in. But if no one is reading it, it's not real writing if you're not writing to a specific audience. Like, obviously, if you say, okay, write mom a paper that's really interesting to mom, then part of your grade for them should be, is this interesting for me? Is this helpful for me? Because a writer always thinks in terms of his audience. So that's one thing I love about teaching this class in a co-op is the opportunity to really write for an audience. Anyway, so the second half, we're still reading novels. We're still reading murder mysteries, but we're also moving into some short stories. So there's less reading and there's more writing. So the second half of the year, they write their novel. So they have five months to write their novel. And of course, if they need more, you can stretch it out a little more. But we work on it a section at a time. And as they finish a section, they bring it in and they read it out loud. Again, crafting as you go, reading stuff out loud is the best way to find your mistakes, both the content mistakes and grammar mistakes. And I spelling mistakes you can spot sometimes better even when you're reading out loud. But one thing that helps is after someone finishes reading, I always say, now, does this make sense? Do you understand what they're saying? Now, because kids are so used to writing nonfiction, a lot of times when they write a story, they don't include enough detail to make the story clear. Or maybe they include too much detail, like he got up, brushed his teeth, used the restroom, washed his hands, ate his breakfast, and got in the car for work. No one cares. And so you have to leave all of those details out, unless when he went to brush his teeth, there was a big fat lizard on his toothbrush. Then that you might want to move, leave in. But so that's what, you know, in reading out loud, you're also able to pick up from your audience. Is your audience engaged? Are they listening? Or are they kind of, you know, wondering where on earth are you, are you going? Are they lost? And so all of that comes from being in small groups and reading sections aloud. And really, these papers are so crafted during the year with that situation. And that is just why I love teaching this course in a homeschool co-op. I kind of laid out the year. So the first half is just learning the whole, all the different aspects of creating a cozy mystery, creating your detective, making your plot, storyboarding, all these different kinds of things. And then you write a short story. Then the second half is working on the novel. Now, the planning is already done for you. So it's not like you have to go out and plan, well, we'll do this and we'll do that. The course is laid out very incrementally. So 
you're going from one thing and then logically to the next thing. So what students do is they work at home. They have work that they do at home, and they should probably put in work every school day. And then when they come together, there's a book club, and there is some teaching, but mostly when they come together, it's reading out loud what they've written and discussing things. So we go over everything, like clues and red herrings. We have to sometimes spend a lot of time on it. Sometimes I have classes where everyone just gets that whole concept of clues and red herrings. So let me talk a little bit about creating characters and using dialogue and description. So one of the things we do in book club is we focus on how the authors do it because that is a craft to create a character. One of the things I love about Agatha Christie is when I read her books, I I really enjoy the characters. And when the book is over, I'm thinking, wait, don't end. I want to know what happens in five years to this person. Don't leave me hanging. And they create well-rounded characters. So, yes, the guy may be a villain, but you kind of feel sorry for him because he was abandoned as a little baby. Or maybe the heroine, the detective, is so smart, but a little bit on the selfish side. Like Hercule Poirot is kind of vain. I don't know if you ever have watched the mystery series Psych. Sean is just so self-centered, you know, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, he's super smart, but he's so self-centered. So usually a detective will have a quirk, and that keeps them from being nauseated. An exception to that is Nancy Drew, who can do everything perfectly. She can do ballet. She can garden. She can cook. She can fly a plane. (laughs) She can do it all. The detectives you want your teens to create and the characters, you want them to be well-rounded. You want them to seem like real people with strengths and flaws and all of that. So quotation marks, again, I like to go over that because if kids don't learn to use quotation marks well, then it's very hard to read their stories because you don't know who is talking. And one of the biggest things to remind kids all the time is every time someone speaks, it's a new paragraph. And so that can mean if it's a short conversation like Sam said, hi, Tom said, hi, Sam said, how are you today? Todd said, I'm fine. And that's four different paragraphs. And they're really short sentences in each paragraph. But kids have to know that. So when there's a dialogue, the page will look very different when there's a lot of dialogue than when there's description. And usually in a story, there is a lot of dialogue and there is more action, more than description. You know, like he pressed open the door and it was dark and dingy and he brushed away a spider web. That's the kind of writing in a story is more focused on what the person is doing, what the person is saying. Although there is description, and the description has to be good. I don't like when there's stories with no description. It's just all action. But dialogue and action shows, and it doesn't have to be action like an action adventure, you know, like always being chased by people or something. It can be the action of like setting the table or something simple. But those things reveal the characters and what other characters also say about the characters. Of course, all of this is in the book. 
when my teens write any kind of descriptions, I like to close my eyes when they're sharing and see if I can picture what they're describing. Like if they're describing a person, can I picture it? Are they, if they're describing a setting, can I picture it? We will be right back to finish up how to use whodunit in your homeschool co-op. Be right back. Hi, I'm Laura. I had the privilege of meeting Meredith Curtis when my oldest boys were very young. When they were in third and first grades, and she recommended that I improve my homeschooling by reading classic literature, I took the advice and was amazed at the results. Later, as they approached high school and she offered to let us use her high school literature and writing classes, I jumped at the opportunity and was glad I did. Now, Powerline Productions has made those classes available to you. With titles like British Literature and Writing, which includes some of my favorite classic literature, American Literature and Research, where students learn how to write a research paper, and the perennial favorite, Who Done It? Murder Mystery Literature and Writing Class, where students actually learn the art of writing their own murder mystery, and more. There's plenty to choose from. For more information, visit powerlineprod.com. That's P O W E R L I N E P R O D. Com. Powerline Productions, being world changers, raising world changers. You've been listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome back. Well, I hope I got you so excited to use Who Done It in your homeschool co-op because I have had so much fun teaching this class. I've t- taught it several times now and every time it's been a huge success. The kids have loved it. And so I just, I, a lot of times people ask me, you know, how do I teach this class in a homeschool co-op setting? Is it possible? And to be honest with you, I think it's even more fun to teach it in a homeschool co-op setting than to even just teach it at home with one child. I really encourage you, if you're listening to this, but you're not wanting to use a homeschool co-op, maybe have two of your kids or three go through the class at the same time. So anyway, we've talked about different things that you discuss as far as quotation marks, characterization, things like that. Now I want to talk about the literature itself. I love Agatha Christie. She is my all-time favorite. And I've read every single one of her books several times, like not just once, not just twice. I just, it, they're my go-to. Oh, you know, it's been a rough week. I haven't read an Agatha Christie in a long time. I think I'll just make some hot chocolate and read an Agatha Christie. I love her writing. Also, there's some other classics like the Sherlock Holmes are fun and Dorothy Sayers has Peter Lord Whimsey and G.K. Chesterton has Father Brown. That series is so fun. Anyway, all of those books, these are not lightweight books. They're, they're literature and your children will grow intellectually by reading them, but they're not difficult. So we read these 
classics. Also, Mary Higgins Clark is a more modern. I believe she is still alive, but she writes suspense books, and they're really, really good, very suspenseful. When we read her book, we talk about mood and tone. See, what we do is we choose a book, and then we will talk about the book in book club. And what we will do is we will focus on a particular thing. For example, when we read The Hound of Baskerville, the Sherlock Holmes tale, we talked about setting because the more really makes the book. That setting with the more, it wouldn't be the same if it was set in Hawaii. It just wouldn't. You know, what would you, what would you do? The, the more, the eeriness of the more makes the book. It makes the story eerie, frightening. So we look at setting when we read that book. And when we read Mary Higgins Clark, we talk about tone and mood because she just creates suspense. She keeps you on the edge of your chair where you, you've got to turn the page. You can't, you can't end at that chapter. You have to find out what happens. And that's super fun. <laughs> but um, so how do we do that? We talk about that. And the, the same thing, We one book club might be we focus on the characters and we'll talk about the characters and which characters we liked and which we didn't. And then we'll dig deeper and we'll say, how did she do that? How did she make us like them? How did she misdirect us about that character? Because we thought she was so wonderful. Then it turned out she was the murderess. So we, we do. I always start every book club with this. What did you like about the book and why or why not? Or did you like the book? Why or why not? And we go around and we talk about that. And that's been a real blessing. A lot of times in that very beginning question, we have differing opinions. Someone says, uh, I didn't like the book. I thought it was too slow. And someone else says, but that's what made it so wonderful to read. And so you get these lively discussions going and it's really fun. And or then you have differing opinions like, were you surprised by the ending? A good murder mystery will surprise you. You'll think, oh, why didn't I see that? And so how did the author misdirect you? And we'll talk about that a lot and examine it. I like book club to be really relaxed. We just sit in a circle. I try to bring food or drinks. We just talk and everyone shares their opinion and we get off on rabbit trails. That's the whole purpose. But it's to really dig deeper into the book. One of the things that I really stress with this book, and I think it makes it so much easier if you do this, is to watch TV shows when you're using this curriculum. You're supposed to watch a monthly detective show, and that can be any of the more classic types. Like Some are more modern, but they're more classic. Perry Mason, Murder, She Wrote, Monk, Garage Sale Murders, Matlock. Garage Sale Murders is a Hallmark one. It's very new, but they it's really more in that traditional classic style. And that's why I like those. So we like to assign one TV show a month. But truthfully, if your child is willing, one or two a week is even better. But not just watch it, but watch it once, then watch it again. And that's, not, again, not required. But I'm just telling you what works the best. And then go back and just analyze it. Like, even scene one, what happened in scene one? What happened in scene two? 
what happened in scene three and just go through that. That's really, really helpful. And I think that when I do my second edition of the book, I'm going to put some of that in there just to get people in that kind of mindset because you don't always think that way when you're watching a show. But then when you actually write a cozy mystery short story or novel, you're actually writing in scenes. Like in in one chapter, you might have three different scenes where they're in a different location or they're different people involved. So all of that is significant and watching those shows can really help you with that. So why do I have the kids in my homeschool co-op who done a class write for their peers? Because I always tell them, write this story so that the people in this room will find it interesting. Because if they can have in mind, I'm writing for this group of people they will actually tailor their their writing to that group. And that's what you want to train people to do. When you're training people to write, you want to train them to write for an audience. There is nothing more important than writing for an audience. We don't write to just express our feelings. That's called journaling, and journaling is fine. But when you're writing a story, you're writing for an audience. And so... Let me give you an example. We have a new family in the co-op this year. And this practice of writing and reading your writing out loud to the rest of the group was very new to this family. But I noticed that within four months, the young man had completely changed his writing. He had grown so much as a writer because he was so excited to write something and come and share it and have people listen to it and to get positive feedback. Now, I don't allow anyone to be critical and negative. I don't think that's right. I don't want to participate in that kind of thing. But what I do do ask for is I'll have people say, okay, share what you really liked about this. So they'll share some really positive things. And then I say, how can they make this story better? And that's kind of the track that we use to help people grow in writing. So... Again, I think it it teaches writers something critical, the idea of writing for an audience, but it also is fun. It's fun to write for your friends, and it's fun to get feedback from people, not just write a paper and turn it in and nothing happens to it. Unleashing creativity. I'm going to tell you something. It is really hard work to write a cozy mystery. It's hard work to write a novel. You create characters, you create settings, you make up storylines, you create scenes, dialogues, surprise endings. It is super hard, but it is also fun. And one of the interesting things is that everything has to be logical and make sense. You can't have suspects that would have no logical reason to murder someone. You can't have things happen at the end that just don't make sense. Everything throughout the book has to make logical, orderly sense. And sometimes someone will say, wait a minute, she's left-handed in Chapter 3, but she's right-handed in Chapter 5. Is she ambidextrous, or did you make a mistake? And so you have to catch all those little things to write a good murder mystery. So you end up growing as a writer, but you also grow as a thinker. And and again, like I mentioned early on, clues and red herrings, that makes the mystery. You have to have lots of clues. 
you have to have lots of red herrings. You have to misdirect your reader. And so it's like a game, honestly. Laying out clues and laying out red herrings is like a game. And you want to leave your reader confused, but able at the end to say, oh, I should have seen that. I don't know why I didn't see that. So you will see that this class will change your students. I know that sounds crazy. Like, what? It really will because they will become more confident as writers and they will find out that writing is fun and they will grow in their relationships with the other kids because they're sharing a part of themselves. When you write something, it's a part of yourself. And so it is really a blast. So again, I want to encourage you, you can purchase Who Done It Murder Mystery Literature and Writing Course. It's a one-credit English course. It's available at powerlineprod.com. And from there on my site, you can buy the ebook on my site or you can click a button. It will take you right to the Amazon page. And you can buy as many copies as you want for your co-op class on the Amazon page. And again, I just, I really hope that if you're going to teach high school English in your homeschool co-op, I really hope you'll consider this course because I think you'll have an experience with your kids that will really be a blast, but also you'll really see how it benefits them. It's a good investment of your time. So thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week, month, year, and we will see you next time at Finish Well Podcast. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.